It sure does seem that many people in the world feel like being black in certain spaces is, in fact, a crime. Or is it that lawyer guy from New York who's threatening to call ICE on some random employee? What a waste of time and taxpayers' money. You know what there should be? There should be a fine for racist calls to the police. Should there be a fine for racist calls to police? Today, the podcast asks the question, if there isn't a fine for racism, aren't we really saying that it is fine for racism? Today we will talk about, we will be looking at the evidence to see if there is isolated incidents of these things happening, or is there a larger pattern of white people calling the police on folks who are just simply existing? We will try to understand what happens and what recourse law enforcement has when those calls are made. We will look at police options and at what they at times do, which can support a racist sense of classism. Lastly, we will look at how it would look to create a fine for racist calls and examine what we would do with those fines to push back on a racist system. Welcome back to the podcast. We are going uh, to continue with the theme of going with a little bit of a different ordering of material for the podcast. So we're going to be hopping right into the content that you came here for and then talking about activism, self-care, as well as more community stuff at the end. So first thing, how often do these racist calls to police happen? Well, Sadly, upon cursory glance, uh, just looking at a Google search, it looks like it happens pretty much daily. And I am recording this podcast on the 29th of February, and that is the day that Starbucks has taken to do bias training to kind of uh, make up some recompense for the fact that they kicked out to black folks uh, simply for being at a Starbucks, which is that we all know shouldn't be illegal because their entire business model is built on that. So looking at stuff that's happened in the near in the recent future on May 19th There was a man who was a black real estate investor that had been inspecting a house uh, That he was about to buy <laughs> that he was actually in buying He was expecting a house he was gonna buy and a woman Tiffany Albert called the police on the guy Just taking pictures of the home that he was planning on purchasing on May 17th, there was a white man in New York, Aaron Schlossberg, who threatened to call ICE on someone who was simply speaking Spanish when they were ordering food at a local restaurant. It is interesting to note that Aaron Schlossberg speaks Spanish and is willing to speak Spanish if you pay him extra money. On May 16th, there is the now infamous barbecue Becky incident where a woman Michelle Snyder called the police on a family for using a charcoal grill and claiming they couldn't use a charcoal grill in an area of the park where they were having a barbecue she was later seen crying when the officer showed up uh, finally 
and she wasn't crying or didn't seem to be sad in any way until the officer showed up. On May 15th, there was another white person who was called who called the police at Hobby Lobby for resembling a thief. Does that mean being, being black? Um, Brian Spurlock was attempting to return a cutting machine with a receipt with original packaging and everything else that would be needed for a return. When the manager saw that, he decided he said that he was going to call corporate to see what their return policy was. He didn't call corporate. He called the police. And the police did a background check. And even though there was no issue, the officer told him to get his returned, but still threatened him to kick him out that if he didn't leave right after the return to the Hobby Lobby store, he would arrest him for trespassing. Bananas, right? There's also the story of Sarah Brasich, a white student who called campus police on Leole Semboyola. I don't know how to say the names incredibly well. After she committed the unforgivable crime of napping in her own dormitory's common room. Campus officers said when they checked the napping student's ID against the university system, they eventually let her go. And then after checking up on the napping student, finally informed Sarah that this call was not a police matter. But the late night incident has set off a bigger conversation about what Yale alum and writer A.T. Williams called the white space of the Yale alma mater. Here is a list of other things that you apparently can't do in the United States in 2018 without a white bystander calling the police on you. You can't eat at a Waffle House. Uh, there was a few students that went to Waffle House after their prom, and there was an image of a police officer forcibly restraining a young black male who wasn't really resisting arrest for eating at the Waffle House. You can't work out at a gym. Two black men had the police called on them at an LA Fitness after saying they hadn't paid. They, in fact, had. They were only guilty of working out while black. You can't move into your new apartment at night. Someone called the police on a former White House staffer for the crime of moving in to your apartment at nighttime while black. You also can't golf with friends. Five black women weren't playing fast enough through a golf course and had the police called on them for not playing fast enough. You're also not able to fly on a plane. A black woman had the police called on her because their arms were, were touching on the seat. The crime here being black and larger framed. You can't shop for a prom outfit. Three black teens at a Nordstrom Rack were had the police called on them while they were shopping for a prom outfit. The crime here again, shopping while black. You can't buy a money order to pay the rent. Two folks trying to get a money order didn't get their money order because of a claim of fraud because they ordered the money order while black. The police were called and they didn't get the money order. Um, the crime alleged here trying to pay your rent. And lastly, 
checking out of an Airbnb. Four friends were leaving an Airbnb when they were accused of stealing when they got when they were checking out and leaving that Airbnb. They had they had the police called on them because they were black and checking out of an Airbnb. Obviously, you can't check out of an Airbnb and take your luggage with you while black. You have to be stealing. So this idea moves us to our second major topic, and that is the problem with these situations is there is systemic racism which really truly allows for this behavior. The fact that people then can call the police on someone at a barbecue, a 911 call at that, right? Like life or death emergency type call, shows how this problem has little or no consequences with or from police officers. Their recourse is to not show up at a call, which does carry some risk associated with complaints to local government. While police can risk not coming, I don't see people making these complaints just letting it go with the police not showing up. I believe there's a sense of entitlement that comes with being a person who makes this type of call that I frankly do not think will stop with a simple no-show to a frivolous racist 911 call. See, the problem here is much too deep within the person that's making the call. They feel as though they should be able to expect the police to show up and fix this problem. And that, my friends, is the deeper problem which truly needs to be addressed to fix this problem from happening over and over in the way that it does. Now, the results of these things happening do come at a social cost for the people making the phone calls, and I do, I am kind of happy to report these results. The lawyer from New York has found himself on the streets needing to answer questions from reporters as he was quickly able to be connected with his public persona. He was seen running from reporters and claiming that they were detaining him or attacking him, which if you see the footage is utterly ludicrous. Uh, A couple days after that, he also came and did a public apology saying that's not who he is. This is not the type of behavior that you can expect from him. Even though he was found in several different spaces or several different places doing these types of things, uh, he was at some rallies shouting down some folks um, that were trying to stand up for justice. Uh, this thing that he did as far as like threatening to call ICE on a person simply speaking Spanish when he himself speaks, speaks Spanish. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting stuff, right? Um, he has also had his New York office the site of parties. There has been a few Latinx parties outside of his office. There was another time that a food truck and a mariachi band was hired to play outside of his office in order to shame him for his racist behaviors. So again, the people are taking it on themselves to try to create a social cost to folks doing these type of things. Uh, And we kind of see that again here with the woman at the barbecue. The woman who called the police at the barbecue has become the subject of a few different memes, which I really suggest you check out if you have the time. Uh, I would suggest Googling barbecue Becky. There is one that is my absolute favorite where she is on the phone crying and running away from the women's soldiers from Black Panther. There is another one that shows her in the crowd on the phone during the civil rights march, um, probably claiming that they, you know, are barbecuing with charcoal unabashedly. 
Her identity is also known, and it again is showing that there is indeed a social cost to these actions. The Starbucks closing today uh, for bias training, uh, which has sadly led to a white lash against the inconvenience of a few people needing to get their coffee from a different location for like a whole day has sadly happened. Uh, the woman from Yale is also dealing with her issues related to calling the police on a tired sleeping grad in a common area too. So you're starting to see people in the community really taking actions, take action around these issues related to people doing these frivolous calls to police uh, and the frankly racist calls to the police that are forcing police to come up and enforce racism, the racism of these people who think uh, things should be happening in a different way. So lastly, do I think these things are systemic fixes? Well, first off, I would like to laud the people who are going out and doing the good work and making sure that these crimes do have a sense of cost to them. Uh, good people doing good work is making a difference in that there is no current systemic fix for these issues at this time. So the fact that folks are willing to track these folks down on the internet, um, put these folks through the public ridicule of you know, having to be recognized as being a public racist in these spaces I think is really important and I'm glad to see that there at least is some cost happening. However, I do think societally that we can do better and we need to do better in creating a little bit more of a more permanent fix. So I am going to propose the following two-part solution. First, I feel like there should be a fine of $1,000 whenever these types of calls happen. There needs to be a cost associated with the racist calls to police. The main problem is there is no immediate social cost to these people calling the police to enforce their racist thoughts about how things should be. This fine should be, form, should be used as a form of community reparations. These funds should go to help fix problems associated with a systemic racism. They could be used to help schools which are underfunded. They could pay for lighting in neighborhoods or community de development projects. Or they could be used to fund community barbecues or um, scholarships for, you know, really tired grad school students. Or for the guy in New York, he could be asked to do a thousand dollars worth of pro bono work for people who are stuck in their own little sense of immigration hell. These types of acts of reconciliation would go a long way in making a difference for those suffering the effects of systemic racism. These community efforts do help in helping make people rethink their racist, their public racist acts but I don't think it works to solve the issue of their mind and their heart, which is a problem. I do feel like these folks need to get an education and find a way to rethink these notions and ideas. Because as my partner Michelle has noted, education alone is not enough. There's assumption that if you're educated, you're not going to be racist, classist, sexist, whatever. The New York lawyer had his Juris Doctorate. The barbecue Beckley lady had her PhD in chemical engineering and the person at Yale, again, the person at Yale University is also a grad student at Yale University. They need 
to create, we need to create an injunction, some type of intervention where these folks have the opportunity to learn and understand the repercussions of their actions as part of a systemically racist society. Now, I recognize that it might not always work, but these efforts have at times worked in the past as well. Because we know punishment does not always deter the crime. It's reconciliation and restitution is what is really needed in these cases. People need the opportunity to think and understand differently in order for this to truly stop. When people are sick in a communalist society, we rally around the person and do our best to heal them and make them whole. That here is what is needed. Making a person who engages in racist 911 calls into anti-racists is something that we need to consider. It's not enough to treat the symptom. We need to do what we can to find the cure. So again, my my idea is a two-part solution. One, that there needs to be an immediate $1,000 fine, and that fine does not need to go to the police officers. They need to go to community reparation efforts. So $1,000 uh, needs to immediately go. Um, I actually don't think it needs to be, be a flat $1,000. Um, there's some classism baked into that idea. I think it would be interesting if um, there was like a like a 10% of your monthly income, 20% of your monthly income needed to go towards uh, community reparations, right? And not only does it need to go to that, but you need to attend those community reparation events and see what happened as a result of that person making that forced donation. Uh, the other thing is I do think they should have to attend some type of diversity and inclusion training so they could understand how they came to think this way and maybe give them the opportunity of thinking different around other folks that are truly committed to helping this person try to think and understand differently. It's an opportunity to create a uh, space of learning where we can help people do and think differently than they, are, than they already do. I really feel like that's something that we really need to look at when we're doing this. Because again, if there is no fine for racist calls, we are saying that it's fine to do and have racist calls. And I don't think we can really afford to do that here in our society. So I'll go over those three points again uh, towards the end, but it's our time to kind of check in on the podcast uh, a little bit about what's going on with all that stuff. So um, as far as the podcast goes, interesting new things going on. We've been contacting some guests, and so Native Nation should be have been released by now. I've also done a Skype interview with Paul Gorski, who does a lot of work around systemic racism in K-12 education as well as higher education. So I'm really looking forward to getting that information out to you. I have a few other people that I'm booked to talk to in the very near future, and I'm really excited to bring these folks to you. You also may have noticed that the podcast has its longstanding Facebook page. It also has an Instagram page, which we're learning how to get more information out to, as well as a Twitter account. With all these things, we are getting more and more uh, connected and we're finding more and more ways for us to reach out and connect with you, our listeners. We are glad that we have the opportunity to have 
more of these social media outreach forms available for you to connect with us. And remember that you can email me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M at cox.net. Or you can leave me a voicemail or text me at 860-576-9393. Again, that phone number for call or text is 860-576-9393. I would love to hear your thoughts. Please remember also to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts on Stitcher. Uh, And if you can please share the podcast out on social media, all these things would go a long, long way in making a very significant difference for here, for us here at the Inclusive Activism Podcast. Also, please remember to subscribe to these podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Google Play. These are great ways for me to show proof of work to the good things that I'm trying to do. And hopefully in the near future, it can help get the Inclusive Activism team paid for their work. So as far as me checking in on my activism, uh, I have finished doing COM 101, the Diversity Inclusion Equity Program at PVCC very recently, which was fantastic. I had the opportunity to speak out at a city budget hearing, trying to get dollars moved from extra spent on policing to more money spent on piecing. Uh, We're trying to create a space where there could be a community fund for folks that have been wrongly abused or hurt or brutalized by the Phoenix police to have a fund to help them through the things that they experience with all that stuff. I did a healing racism series on the difference between free speech and hate speech, which felt really good to get out and get done. I met with the Anytown Curriculum Board, finally, for the first time this past year. And I am trying to get everything that I need to get done and situated in order to go to Anytown at the end of June. So I am looking forward to that. As far as self-care, I've only been able to really nail lifting about three times a week for the last couple weeks. And that's been a source of serious frustration. Although I do feel like things are going to settle down a little bit more in the very near future. So I'm looking forward to getting into a little bit more of a rhythm before everything gets upset again when I go off to any town. Uh, Cardio, I've also failed pretty hard on this. I've only really been able to work in once a week. So that's been kind of frustrating. I have been meditating at least three times a week for 10 to 15 minutes, and I'm looking to get another day of meditation in, so that's been really good. Uh, I have also been keeping up with taking my supplements on a regular basis, which makes a really big difference, and tank training is going well, and that has been hard because some of that stuff is changing a bit. It's getting warm, and so it's hard to do some of those things that we've been able to do recently with him. And also, I have had the opportunity in the last two days to get really deeper rest uh, and really kind of do more deeper proactive work, uh, deeper rest, uh, which I've really needed for a really long time. I've been pushing it way too hard, way too long. So lastly, this is the recommendation for the podcast. This is a book I'm thinking about giving out. I think with this book, what I'll do is for the next 60 days, Um, If you rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts or if you can show proof of rating the podcast to inclusiveactivism at cox.net, I will put your name into a drawing and I will sign the book and send the book off to you. But the book is called Own the Day, Own Your Life. 
The founder and CEO of Onnit, the mega lifestyle brand and one of the fastest growing companies in our country, teaches us how one single day of positive choices can lead to a lifetime of concrete strategies for better living, optimal performance, a stronger mind, body, and spirit. Human optimization thought leader Aubrey Marcus's personal and professional mission rests on a single question. How can we get the most out of our mind and body on a daily basis? Marcus answered these questions in Own the Day, Own Your Life, which is an empowering handbook that guides readers to optimization to seize every potential moment from every potential day, from waking up in the morning through work and play until bedtime each night. With small, actionable changes implemented throughout the course of the day, we can feel better, we can perform more efficiently and live happier. And these daily habits turn into weekly routines, which ultimately become part of lifelong healthy choices. So these suggestions range from workouts to diet to inbox triage, mindfulness, shower temperature, and this groundbreaking material provides simple strategies to own each element of each day of your life. Drawing on the latest studies and traditional practices from folks around the world, Own the Day, Own Your Life delivers an optimization philosophy, including cutting edge life hacking tips, nutritional expertise and brain upgrades, as well as fitness regimens. Own the Day, Own Your Life is a must-have, choose-your-own-adventure guide for the every person, packed with pragmatic and effective strategies that will empower you to enjoy your life, take charge of your health, and truly own your day. I've gotten quite a bit out of this. I'm sleeping better. I'm only waking up about once over the course of the week. I'm actually leaning on caffeine a whole lot less. One of the things that he talks about doing is drinking a giant bottle of water and then also taking in some salt so that water sticks in you and you also get a boost of minerals with that stuff. And so it's really been helpful for me. So I'm really interested to hear uh, on what kind of rates and reviews that you all do for the podcast to have an opportunity to have that book sent to you. Remember, all I need you to do is rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts or any other pod server of choice, and then just screenshot a proof of that to me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. And lastly, to review the major points of this podcast were talking about the problem of all these folks calling the police, reporting people to the police just for being black and existing. We talked about what recourse the police have as far as whether they can respond or not. They can choose not to respond, but it does come at a potential cost. And we looked at what kind of social cost these folks are having to experience from doing these things. And then lastly, I gave my take on what a fine for racism would really look at. So either a $1,000 fee or maybe 20% of your monthly income going out towards some type of community reconciliation, community building activities, helping folks recover from the effects of systemic racism. And I do hope the person that would have to give that donation would have to be at that thing as well. And we also talked about the need for that person to have to do diversity and inclusion training. I do think they should have to go to a professional. I do think that professional should be paid for their training because we don't want to just treat the symptom. We want to try to fix the cure and being holistic, community minded people who really want to fix problems, not just cover up symptoms. We want to see what we could do to really dive into that person 
and drag out the ism from them. They were taught that ism, uh, and though they are choosing on to hold on to that ism, it's not purging them from that ism, and that's part of the problem. We need to find a way to help them learn how to think differently and join the rest of the big, bright community that is the greater we, which is greater than me. And so with that, uh, I want to remind you, please get a hold of us, share your thoughts, ideas. Tell me what you thought about this podcast. So if it made you think of something, you have a question or a shocking critique, please let me know at 860-576-9393. Again, I prefer the voicemails, but we did get a text, our first text ever. Sadly, it did come from my mom. Uh, she said that we're doing a great job, so I appreciate that she sent a text to us. But I'd like to get a text from a non-related listener in the future. So again, if this podcast made you think of something, give me a call. Let us know what you think. 860-576-9393. That is a place for us to talk to each other, for you to ask me questions, for you to give me real life scenarios that you're dealing with, and I can give you advice on how to deal with it. And uh, we can react to those situations and scenarios together in real time. And depending on how good your, your stuff is, maybe your question or concern could be the subject of a whole future podcast. And lastly, if you are interested in booking me or bringing the power of inclusive activism to your organization, you can always do so at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M at cox.net. Or learn more about me and this organization at www.inclusiveactivism.com. Thank you so much for your time and attention. And again, if there isn't a fine for racism, we're saying it's fine for racism. And that's not fine with me. Y'all have a great day. Be blessed. And I can't wait to talk to you again during, with, and through the next podcast. Y'all be safe.